everybody. You're listening to Real Movies Podcast. I'm Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's everybody out there? Doing all right, John? I'm doing well. Good. It's been a couple of weeks, yes. but we're back in the saddle today. and We're talking about a little movie from 2010 called Marwin Call. Meanwhile, back in Marwin Call, the SS took me. They tied me up and started cutting me. I put a scar down my face because this side was damaged in real life. Mark Hogenkamp was in a bar, and a group of five individuals beat him senseless and did some pretty bad damage to his brain. When the teenagers kicked my head to pieces, they wiped all memory of everything. What's the first thing I gotta work on? That's my imagination. Everything's real. The slide on the 45, the clip even comes out. I'm sorry. Everybody has a dream. Everybody wishes they had a double. They could do the things that they could never do. There's always something going on in Marlon Call. I've taken place in many battles. We usually come out on top. The SS had me tied up. The girls went into the church. They eliminated the SS. Her coming and saving me proved to me that she loved me. So this is my wife, Anna. Anna's competition is Deja Thoris, the Belgian witch of Marwin Call. Yeah, Marwin Call is, is a really interesting film that as as I have as I started watching it, I realized that it's kind of a compilation of a lot of the films that we've done. You've got Oh that's an interesting okay, keep going. You've got your your delusional kind of crazy that we got out of Waiting for Superman. You have a little bit of the crime. Wait, that, waiting, waiting for Superman? I'm not waiting for Superman. Uh, Confessions of a Superhero. I was going to say. Like, not, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry. Not people waiting who are delusional and crazy you think <laughs> I, we can fix our educational system. Yeah, sorry. Nutty I just, people. Yeah, well, that is kind of delusional <laughs> and crazy. But, I mean, I know you didn't yeah, like it, but no, still, no, no, wow. Not, not waiting for Superman. I'm in Confessions of a Superhero. All right, sorry. All right. all right. So you got you got the delusional, crazy Confessions of a Superhero mixed in with like maybe a little Darkon. I was just going to say, that, you know? Maybe more towards dark. Huh? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like personality disorder, I don't know exactly if I'm in this world or if I'm not in this world. Very kind of well. Thing. Yes. Um, you have a little bit of a crime, like in Into the Abyss. Um, mm-hmm. Not not that bad. I mean, it was bad. It's a pretty bad It's crime, a pretty bad crime. But they don't dwell on it. Yeah. It's not the subject no. of the documentary. And uh, you've got... Oh, crud. There was, some, there was something else I'd, I was thinking. Um, oh, you got the art. Angle like in um, Exit to the Gift Shop, Exit to the Gift Shop, and and several of the other ones that we've done, mm-hmm. and so you kind of mix a lot of these together, and you get Mark Hogan Camp, who is um, a very interesting guy, who in 2000 was sitting in a bar and got beat up by five kids that were in this bar, and. They beat him up so bad that he basically – they wiped his memory. Yeah, clean. they kicked him in the head so hard and just beat him so severely that he has – it's, it's like something out of a TV show. Like yeah. He just woke up and had no idea who he was. I mean and he had to relearn everything. He had to learn to walk. He had to learn to talk. He had to learn to feed himself. He had to learn to write everything. He had to relearn. And this guy was not wealthy, so after about 40 days um, – Medicare stopped paying for his 
um, treatment. They stopped paying for his therapy. They stopped paying for everything. And what could have turned into a really bad situation since before he got beat up, he was already an alcoholic. Yeah. It actually – one of the few positive things that came out of this is that post-recovery – he had no desire for alcohol whatsoever. That was interesting. Like certain parts of his personality were just beaten, literally beaten, beaten out, out of him. him. Yeah. And it was just fortunate that that actually was a pretty negative aspect of his personality. Yeah. And so he became a, a more agreeable person. Yeah. Which, I mean, a lot, and a lot of times you hear stories about memory loss and people don't turn out that well. Like right. people lose their sensitivity towards others. They become more aggressive or angry. But uh, he, he thankfully went in, in a better direction than that. But one of the things that uh, when you talk to people about addiction, those those people that do have addictive personalities don't tend to just stop being addicted to everything. They kind of trade addictions. Yeah. They go from one addiction to another. And his new addiction is this kind of fake world of um, – that he calls Marwin Call. Which is the actual subject of the entire documentary. Yeah. And he, he builds this this little – doll world in which he gets action figures and Barbie dolls and and little one-sixth miniatures and paints them all up and uh, takes them just kind of has this own little like storyline going. He f- photographs the storyline. He makes these elaborate kind of picture books with the storyline and that is how he deals and handles everything going on in his life. And it's amazing. We should say this is not a cheaply cheap looking like stick figures and things like that. This guy takes so much time and care and precision with each of these little dolls yeah. and he takes photos of them and if you see the like basically creating like little stop motion films. Oh, absolutely. And they look yeah. really good. They do. I like, mean, amazing. Like like pretty pretty high quality professional looking stuff. Yeah, I mean he's able to, and and they show this later on. He's able to show these these works in a gallery in New York. Yeah, and so and people respond really I well. Mean, to yeah, it. I like, mean like that high quality of stuff. It's not like he's just out there with a the snap and shoot taking pictures of dolls. Like he has carefully placed everything in the right order and made sure that his art is um, looks really good. Yeah. So I thought it was great. Yeah, I um just really impressive and just an interesting innovative way to sort of cope with a pretty horrifying event. Yes. So um so yeah, what 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 kind of issues did you find kind of arose out of watching this? Well, and by the way, I should say after having watched Sherman's March, this was a really nice palate sensor because <laughs> it's a very lean 82 minutes. It's a, it's got a real subject. Something actually happens to this guy that's worth I, talking about. Really, really nice coming out of and, Sherman's. And mind. one of the things that I liked, which I mean, we're going to have to talk about this anyway. But one, if you haven't watched it, I'm about to do the only spoiler esque thing I'm about to tell you about. So you're going along. They tell you about the accident. They tell you about his world. They tell you about all this kind of stuff. He wants to talk about where he's showing, um, and then. When you're just like, okay, I get it. The guy got beat up. He's playing with dolls. He's making stuff. Uh, he's making art. Then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, I cross-dressed. That, w- that was and, a weird reveal and, and, out of nowhere. Yeah, well, I mean, I was just at the point where I was like, okay, where are we going to go with this story? And then he was like, I have 200 pairs of women's shoes. And I just went, well, what? <laughs> and, 
like that brought me back in like okay maybe there's something else to this story and so as far as getting boring that it was put at the right time for me like i was just about to start getting bored and then i was like never mind i'm not bored anymore tell me why do you what are you doing you're what because for the first probably 75 percent of the movie he's talking about all these women that he likes and and the i mean he has even made comments to where you know it's not a gay like people his his friend said is this a gay town you got barbies and he's like can't be a gay town the the guys have to have somebody to go to they need some women kind of thing and then it turns around that he's kind of you know jagger hoover over there and likes to <laughs> dress up and specifically and women to wear clothes. women's clothes yeah. Women's shoes yeah yeah he's kind of that closeted cross-dresser and then we find out a little bit more of well that's why he got jumped in the bar yeah is he was he was uh, drunk and and just openly telling these people, hey, I like I'm a cross dresser and blah blah blah. And these guys were drunk and did not respond to it very well and decided that they were going to beat him up. And it was then, a hate crime. And then yeah, and then yeah. just beat him senseless, um, which was crazy. So I mean, it there is an interesting twist in it, um, and I I, I mean. I watched it again last night, and I watched it with my wife and a couple of friends that were over, and they had a little bit different take on it. I thought that for somebody that couldn't afford therapy, that this was a really healthy alternative. He wasn't out beating people up. He wasn't using drugs. He wasn't getting drunk. He wasn't doing destructive things. Mm-hmm. He had a positive outlet, and they were like, this is crazy. Like This is <laughs> – yeah. this is like – Next step, he's going to start wanting to make a skin suit kind of crazy. And I didn't see it the same way, but how did you see kind of his outlet for dealing with this really horrible tragedy that happened to him? I, I thought it was great. I think, I mean, it's, but because it's a different medium than what we're used to seeing, like mm-hmm. if he was a painter, right? Painting like thing, like images of people. In, and I mean, it's not like he was just like creating this town and just killing people. I mean, that happens. Yeah, <laughs> but only in the natural course of events as it exists in this town. Mostly because just Nazis lines. kill people. That's right. <laughs> and, and what was? It? And that's a side road. I'll, I'll get. I want, yeah. I want to go down that in a minute to talk about the storylines in Marlon Carlin Call. Because I found that to be really interesting. But no, I thought it was a really interesting useful creative outlet yeah like i for, for example i write like that's that's something i i do and a couple of years ago i did a thing called NaNoWriMo it's national novel writing month and um and i decided i was just going to write a novel just to just to see what it felt like to to do a complete because that's not the kind of thing i write and so i decided just because i don't want to make a whole bunch of stuff up i just would write a novel about my childhood and not that anyone would ever read it, but as I was writing it, I found like certain parts of that were actually really therapeutic and cathartic and things I hadn't thought about in decades. And so as I was working through that, I was sort of dealing with things that I'd never dealt with and processing emotions I'd never processed. And, and that was really, really useful and helpful. And I kept thinking about that as I was watching Marwin Call because that's what art does. Art, And because often we think of how art affects the viewer or the listener or the, whoever consumes it, right. but art is just as useful if not more so to the person creating it. And I think Marvin calls a good example of how that works. Like sometimes you need to create something because there's something in you that needs to get out. And if you don't create something, it's going to come out in a really dark way. Right. And I think, um, I think Mark has, has discovered his outlet. I think, I think Marvin call 
is is how he is how he deals. It's his therapy. Yeah. Not not just in a therapeutic sense, but in an artistic sense. Right. Which is why people respond to those photos because the photos of of what he takes in Marwan called not just because they're very good, but because there's something something very emotional and very human about them. Right. You know, and so I mean, even the gallery owner makes the comments to say. You know, usually when people do photographs like this and they photograph things like dolls, there's kind of irony in it of, ah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I know it's a doll. Like, yeah. Look at this. This is hilarious. It's dolls doing human things. And he's like, there's none of that in Mark's. He's like, Mark photographs it as though this is 100% real. It's very sincere. And yes. And, and and you see that. And I think – and he, that's even what he said. He, he said – I like that. He said I responded well to that yeah. because there isn't this haha it's a doll that's funny. It's no this is actually this is a scenario that you could intern if you if you put people in this scenario it would be you know incredible. Yeah. It's so yeah, I'm I'm going to disagree with the skin suit. Right. Theory. I do too. So. But I mean when we were watching it they were just like, this guy is so creepy. This guy is so weird. And, and you know, he really needs some actual therapy and help. And these people that are that are encouraging him to do this art um, need to not encourage him so much and actually get him real help. And I was like, I think this is real help. Yeah. I think that the therapy – I think that the, the therapy does come from this art. And so we had that argument as we were watching it. So – I just wanted to kind of get your take on it to make sure that I wasn't in the minority no, thinking w- that, that oh, you know, we can't you, – you can, you can self-help through a good outlet. And I think this is a much better outlet than so many other outlets he could have chosen. Oh, absolutely. And, and it, again, if he were painting or writing or like doing music or something like that, nobody, nobody would have a problem with it. They'd be like, oh, that's great. He's writing songs to deal with his pain. And, yeah. but, but no, he's, he's chosen a new kind of outlet, a medium that we're not used to. And so there is going to be that reaction of, well, this is really weird. He's playing with dolls. But I mean, pe- people, people have said that about artists, not, right. not the doll thing, but people have said, weird things about artists that were just a little bit outside the, like Van Gogh for well, yeah. Van Gogh was probably a bad example because he was a little nuts but yeah. <laughs> um, but he made great art right. and so but and and maybe that goes back to maybe maybe Mark does need a little bit of therapy I'm not saying this is a good alternative and that he should yeah. never go see a therapist I think a therapy would probably be a good thing for him to add into the, what he does. Right. But I think he should keep doing what he does. I mean, not only because it's good therapy, but because he loves it. It's, right. It's a passion for him. Yeah. And and so that gives him a reason to wake up in the morning and and have a good day as opposed to go to the bar. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's and going to the bar for a lot of people is how they deal with their anger. Right. And and that never goes well for right. people. Yeah. And so that's I I, th- I think this is a really good, healthy, creative alternative now mark is a weird guy i mean there's yeah no, oh I'm yeah not, i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and say he's okay he's totally normal because, because he is uh, clearly he's uncomfortable in society yeah and maybe that's from having been beaten by five people right and i mean i think he gets into that a little bit and when he's kind of going back to the scene of the crime and where it happened and and you see him and even him just talking about getting out of they're from kingston new york and he has to go do this show in greenwich village and he is kind of terrified about getting out of his own comfort zone, getting out of his house and and kind of going down to Greenwich um, because he's not a, he's not sure how 
the world is going to perceive him. Yeah, and he's so disappointed that Greenwich Village isn't filled with people dressed like they're <laughs> yeah. at the circus. <laughs> yeah, the he kind of expected uh, Greenwich Village to look like a giant gay pride parade, yeah. but he didn't. And, and he was hoping for that because yeah. he was like, this is where I'll find where I can belong. <clears throat> and when he sees people wearing just like everyday kinds of clothes, like you can see like maybe in his mind he thinks, I'm, I'm even too weird for Greenwich Village. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he's so relieved when he finally, again, back to the spoiler, in the final scene he's able to like put on some high heels and (laughs) get comfortable well and i mean it's just it's it's so crazy because he's sitting there and he goes through this big spiel about i want to wear the chiffon dress and and these heels and and he's really talking about all of these women's clothes that he could wear and then the day of the show where he's supposed to go and he's supposed to feel comfortable in his element he puts on a military uniform yeah. Like, probably the furthest thing from a feminine outfit, yeah. right? And I think he just was so scared, he went completely in the opposite direction. Yeah, because he knows no one no one will reject or physically yes. intimidate someone in a military exactly. uniform. Exactly. And so that, I mean, that's very, very much a, a suit of armor for uh-huh. him. And so that that was really interesting. Let's talk about the storyline in Marwin Call. Okay. Because that because <laughs> he, he goes on these really long narrative rants about how and, and what's great and, and the thing is it's not this would be really boring if it was just him sitting there and saying, Okay, and then this guy did this. But no, they they show us like the photos that he took as he was like, right. creating this the storyline. And so it, it almost becomes like watching a movie. Like there was one point and this is how Exactly the opposite of Sherman's March this was. Like, not only was I interested in Mark, I was interested in the story that Mark was telling in his own head. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was that was so, like, the, the story about how, like, the SS was coming to the town and everybody evacuated except for the one lady in the church and she stayed behind. And, like, the Nazis came in and they found her. And I was like, what happens next, Mark? <laughs> like, I was really into that. Like, they're, they're no killer, do they? Please yeah. don't yeah. kill the lady in the I church, know. Mark. These are Nazis. This isn't just regular bad guys. These are the baddest of the bad guys. Yeah. And I love, I mean, that's such a, and I've heard screenwriters talk about how, listen, you want a good screenplay, you just put Nazis in there. Because yes. everybody loves to hate Nazis. And man, Mark has figured that out. And no so, kidding. Um, but I was so, I was so interested in the fictionalized story that exists in Marvel. And not even from a therapeutic standpoint, like, oh, I wonder what this is Mark processing. I was just like, wow, that's kind of cool. I mean, Nazis. <laughs> Getting the town. Yes. There's this lady fighting them off, and well, it's nice that that everybody can be cordial and nice to each other at the bar because you know Germans, Americans, uh, yeah. all of the people are nice when they're in in Mark's place. Like they're not allowed to fight except for the staged cat fights. That which, it was kind of funny, and they they reveal that early on, which makes yeah. you think like maybe Mark's just like. Some some weird dude who's into women all the time. Yeah. But then it comes out that he's a cross-dresser and it becomes a little more complicated. Exactly. Mark, Mark's a really he, – he's not a stereotype. You know no, what I mean? Like there's, he, there's not one thing you can say that would totally describe, describe Mark Hogan camp. Like he, he breaks so many different molds mm-hmm. and versions of himself that you sort of get through the film, and which is really interesting and it's very human because yeah. most people are like that. Right. Not I mean, exactly if, like that. No, but, but. but if we – I mean – we do tend to stereotype people, and they the filmmakers did a good job of saying this guy's got so much going on, like so complex that you know he's not just he is not just one thing. You can't just be like cross dresser, yes, or you can't just be like crazy doll man or victim, yeah, of or being, victim, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of layers to him that you know 
it, I think that was a good job by the, the director for showing everything. Which in a documentary, you don't see that a lot. Like no. I, I was thinking back on all the all the docs we've watched. And usually you get sort of one dominant personality trait that a filmmaker will focus in on. And the, the next film we're going to talk about, my favorite documentary of all time, King of Kong, is very much like that. Yeah. I mean, as much as I love it, you, you get – you have you have your, your underdog hero and you have your um, – Your you, villain, your cocky you villain. Your, exactly. And you get no – like Billy, the villain in that yeah. film, you, there, there are no layers. Like you never get to see like what is Billy insecure about? What does yeah. he struggle with? Is he, has how's, he ever been in a fight? How's Billy with his kids? Like you don't get to see anything like yeah. that. Yeah. And again, I love King – I'm not sitting here complaining about King of Kong. But what I'm saying that Marwan Call did really well that very few documentaries do well – is and maybe it's because there's only one subject in the film and it's Mart, right? But it's it's more it's almost like a character piece, right. like like um, Bill Cunningham, New right. York. But even with Bill Cunningham, New York, you you kind of got a nutshell, like Bill in a nutshell, and I mean he just kind of was who he was, yeah, right? Like there wasn't there weren't these twists and turns. You didn't see these dynamic like spectrums within Bill Cunningham, New York. So you know that's another one that I I kind of thought about. When I thought about this movie, because the photography aspect and oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. eccentric aspect and things like that, so it was like a lot of our it was like a lot of our um, documentaries rolled into kind of one. Yeah, and it's and, and Marcus. I mean, I, I'm gonna argue that he's probably the most complex character we've seen in any documentary so yeah. far. Which again, in an 82 minute documentary. That's well done on the part of the directors yeah. because that's that's really difficult to do. I mean, could you imagine if this kind of accident happened to Jack Rebney <laughs> and how Jack Rebney would have uh, that would be reacted? Really, I would never I mean? wish that on Jack Rebney. No, but I would be really interested. I think Jack. Uh, yeah, that would be. Um, but you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, like I don't think that he would have. From what we know of Jack Rebney, I don't think he would have found the creative outlet that Mark did. No, Jack, Re- think, Jack Rebney would have made a skin suit. I think that's exactly right. I think Jack Rebney would be making skin suits. Yeah. Um, or he would have gone down in a hail of gunfire. Yes. Like, that's, <laughs> J- Jack, Jack doesn't do things in a quiet mm-hmm. way. Jack Rebney, by the way, if you haven't listened, is the subject of the movie Do- or, uh, Winnebago. Win- Winnebago Man. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah. So well done, not not just for making an interesting documentary about interesting things, but on giving us a character that is really three dimensional and really comes to life as you as you sort of watch it. Like like you said, I mean every every time you think he fits into a mold, they give you new information that's like, oh, he's different than that. Like there's yeah. more to this guy. So that just really. Well done, Doc. I really enjoyed this yeah. documentary. Very, very good. Well, let's talk about positives. I mean, I feel like we've been talking about positives, but let's let's specifically hone in for a second on positives and negatives. My positive was the story was was really intriguing, and I think you kind of hit it where it was intriguing on multiple levels. You had the the Marwin call story, and you had the Mark story, and I didn't get bored with any of those. Mm-hmm. And I thought the the documentary moved really nice and easily. It it kept my attention the whole time, and I thought it was overall really well done. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, the 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 length and the pacing uh, the pacing to me is is a make or break thing when you're watching a documentary. Like you can't you you can't bore me. Like you can't to use your blog title. You can't yeah, put me to sleep exactly. with one part of this documentary <clears throat> when there's so much other stuff to be dealt with. And so I felt like it paced out really well. They did a good job of like 
like kind of bookmarking certain aspects that they were going to talk about now. Like they had a, like every once in a while you get like a title card with a doll holding a, like a, a piece of paper asking a question like, what, what about art? Where am yeah. I going now? Who am I? Those kinds of things. And so I, I felt like that was a good sort of, in, in case you begin to lull, there was like, okay, we're moving into something else now. Yeah. I really like that. I like the questions it poses and I like, I, I like the art aspect of it. I like I like seeing the idea that art can be therapeutic for the artist. Yes, and I thought that was a really really cool thing to show. So over and I, I honestly I like Mark. He's a weird guy. I don't know how long I could probably hang out with him before <laughs> yeah. having to like check my yeah. watch and be like I'm, I gotta go. But um, he, he's a he, he's an interesting, likable, sympathetic guy. And yeah. so um, just really really well done documentary. Wait, any negatives for you? Um, I mean. The only negatives that I had were kind of the second time when I watched it and they were – and we were having these discussions of is he getting enough – is he getting enough therapy, right? Which, I mean, this isn't a negative about the film. It's a it's an, it's an a question posed by the situation of in – in an, and I, I don't know that this is like a negative about the film, but it's one of those things – if somebody is doing good art, and they have they're not dealing with a demon. Do we let them continue to not deal with that demon because we want them to do their art? Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm question. saying? Like do we want to see more from them so we kind of keep them in that state of torture and self-torture and peril? I'm trying to think of a good parallel to that. Like any musician. I mean, like, there's a ton of musicians yeah. that are that are that are being really destructive. To themselves yeah. and hurting themselves. I mean, it, Kurt Cobain was one of those. You know, I mean, yeah, like, saying, I mean all the musicians like, I can think of are dead. Like yeah, Amy Winehouse, exactly. Amy Winehouse, yeah. like one of those things. You like her art, and so you want her to continue to do. The, you want them to continue to do their art, but you know what they're doing is is killing them. Yeah, and so you know if they get clean, if they if they get away from that, if they don't go to their vices anymore, will their Will they still produce good art? Yeah, and that that question is one of those things that you know, are they an artist because of their demons, or are they an artist in spite of their demons? Can they overcome these things? Can they? I mean, and, and all of those questions arise and and make us have to think about that. Which I don't know that that's a negative thing to think about, but I mean, I think it, it, it's a gut check to everybody who says, "Oh, we want something. We demand something more out of this person," and <clears throat> are we making sure that we're doing it for them or for us? Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess that is the – that's the question that it poses that maybe you see going on in this where all of these people around him are not letting him get real help. Yeah. My thing is with, with artists that I like, um, my thing is as, as disturbed as they might be, I want them to live because if they don't, then I'm getting no new art. You know what right. I mean? And um, like I think about – I, I listen to County Crows is one of my favorite bands and mm-hmm. Adam Duritz notoriously struggles with depression like deeply who is the lead singer of, of County Crows and so on the one hand a lot of that informs his music like some of yeah. his best songs were written like round here yeah. you know are written out of this really dark kind of place and so and, and you don't you, you don't want to stop the, the flow of, of good art because that's music I like on the other hand because I connect so much with his music 
I want him to live because I want more music. Not, right. I mean, from a selfish point of view. I mean, I like him as a person, you know, from from a distance. Like, I follow him on Twitter. I, I think he's, he seems like a really nice guy. But then there's also this thing of if he dies, then I get no new music. Right. And so from as a selfish consumer... I want him to be okay, you know. Even even if it's even if it doesn't come out as round here, maybe. But but he's still a talented guy. Like I've heard um, a lot of stand up comedians talk about, like specifically a guy named Artie Lang who is struggles a lot with weight. And so yeah. there there is this question of if I get thin, will I still be yes. funny? I think a lot of fat comedians think that. I think so too. Yeah, right. I mean, because so much of your humor is dwe- is dwells in in self-deprecating hey i'm the fat guy let's make fun of me and that's how i deal with being uncomfortable in the room yeah is if i can make fun of myself then people like me and laugh and i've learned that from first grade on because i've always been the big kid and so now when i lose all the weight i have nothing to be that's half my material yeah Yeah, that's that's i mean i can be funny on the spot but i don't have those fat jokes that i start out with that i warm people up with that i get you know that that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think Jonah Hill went through that a little bit. He did. He lost all of his weight. Um, I mean, I've I've heard several things on people. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Oh, you're not going to be funny anymore because you're fat." Well, I'm and I mean, fat. would Chris Farley have been funny if, right. if he was if he hadn't been overweight? Like, exactly. That's... I mean, he was so he was such a physical comedian for such a big guy. Yeah, like that's that was a big part of what made him successful is that he was able to sort of capitalize on that. But I mean. If if I could trade having Chris Farley alive and skinny, or you yeah. know, I mean, I would I, I choose alive. So well, I mean, his weight didn't kill him. The eight ball did. No, no, no. So, well, but, yeah. but what I'm saying is, if, if he had gotten okay, <laughs> right, and right. and had be- become a different kind of comic, right. But he was. I mean, he yeah. was one of those that was really destructive to himself. He, yes, he was. He was. Um, he had that addictive personality, and so he just kept pushing himself and pushing himself into these deeper, darker worlds, and yeah. it ended up killing him. So, yeah, so all that to say, Mark Hogan Camp, it seems like he's come up with a fairly, he's not doing eight balls and he's not starting yeah. fights. I mean, he's, I feel like this is a fairly healthy thing to do, but I'm hoping that someone yeah. in, his, in his life will someday find a way to get him back into a therapist's office. Right. All, wh- I say that, I hope he keeps making his art because yeah. I think he loves it and I think he's good at it. So I'd, I'd hate for therapy to wash him out of his passion. However, I would rather see a healthy person living yes. in the world. Okay, you know, and so that's that's my own personal opinion. I'm sure there are varying opinions, but that's that's what I would like to see. So, um, I, I'll probably Google him in a couple of years yeah. to see what's going on. But uh, do you have other negatives, or do you have a negative? Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, as I was watching it, I, I was looking for negatives because I wanted to have something to talk about, and I'm not going to give it a ten. So I can't say right. it's a perfect documentary, but I can't really say. I can't really say why. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, it's kind of like Bill Cunningham, New York. I feel like it's it's the very best of what it could possibly yeah. be. Um, so I can't I can't think of any specific negatives. I, I like you. I'd, I'd like to see Mark get genuine, you know, medical help. But uh, but now, as far as a filmmaker's perspective, I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, well shot, and, well made, well paced. Uh, I mean, one of the cool things that they only shows it to you once, but well, I mean, they do talk about. When you get in with Mark, like when you, when you become <clears throat> in his inner circle, he makes a doll of you, uh-huh. and they do show that the filmmaker got his own doll. Yeah, that you was know, really- I mean that's kind of cool that he spent enough time with him that he says, "All right, you're in my inner circle," and he made him with a camera and everything. What are the so. the real life implications of Mark killing off a character in Marwan Call? Because this happened. He, he killed off the waitress. You remember? Yeah, so- I, I don't know. I don't know if that means. 
Does that mean he doesn't see her anymore? I, I mean, oh, she she was interviewed and she was like, I was kind of sad that my character died. Yeah. But you know, his... I think that he reinvents these characters a lot. So because, maybe she'll be back. Yeah, because his um, his friend said that, you know, we've had a lot of fights with the SS and most of the times we win. So I think there's days that Mark just gets out there and runs through a story that is kind of like an episode. And mm-hmm. he could, you know, that day they lost and then they come back, you know, and I think it may depend on his mood. Like, yeah. I honestly think that the SS is his dark side. I think that is his. I'd say that's that's a fair. I assessment. think that is it's very Freudian. Everything that he is trying to suppress, mm-hmm. and on days that he's not having a good day, they win the battle mm-hmm. and they kill off whoever. But that doesn't mean that the next day they can't wake up and everybody be fresh and new and have another battle. And so um, again, kind of like Darkon, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so I think that I think that she can come back. Okay. Uh, I mean, because because his friend indicated that he has you know fought and lost to the SS, mm-hmm. and then fought and beat the SS. That I think that every day they kind of come back, and it's how Mark's feeling. Yeah, I'd say I, I think that's that's a very that's an astute assessment of what's going on there. That's a, that's a good way of looking at it. Again, very Freudian. Yeah. So I think that works. Um, well, I think any final thoughts? Oh, we need a rate. What, oh, yeah, yeah. What, what, what rating would you give this? Uh, I'm going to go with an eight and five, eight point five. I'll give it exactly that same rating. That's good. That's yeah. that's, that's very strong. I would recommend. I, I'll, I would definitely recommend this. I think um, I wouldn't mind hearing what like a psychology class would Thought say. Of this. About, like mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, I think this would be a good film to show a, a, a freshman psych class and talk about like okay, what what do you see here? What what what's coming out? You know, I I, I would have been really interested in that. Yeah. Um, all right, well, good deal, Marwin Call. Excellent, yeah. excellent palate cleanser. From and the- I got this um, recommendation from a friend of mine on Facebook. So, uh, I mean, if you have recommendations out there, oh, send that's them good. to me, and and we'll watch them. Yeah. So, not next is, time though. No, next time we have our documentary. We are watching King of Kong. Yes. And we may, if we have time, we'll, we may we may link up with uh, Chasing Ghosts and talk about yeah. them both at the same time because they're pretty much. One gigantic documentary, even though King of Kong is is almost perfect in its own right. It's superior. Yeah. I, I say that having not actually seen Chasing Ghosts yet. Right. But I just no. It is. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Chasing Ghosts is just all the cutting floor of King of Kong, but that's still really it's still a really good documentary. Cool. So well, I look forward to, to seeing that and talking about it, and that'll be our twenty fifth episode. So yes. we wanted to save this one for something special. There we go. So um, all right, well, uh, you can you can catch us on Tumblr. You can go like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Um, we're we're all over the place in the on the internet. So um, that that should be, I guess, our, our parting thoughts. So John, yeah. we'll see you next time. Death to my hometown, boys. Death to my hometown.